Hello, and welcome back to the Voluntary Hippie Podcast, where the philosophies of self-ownership and non-aggression get a psychedelic twist. I appreciate everyone bearing with me as I get the hang of this whole podcasting thing. I realize that the last episode was a bit sketchy, but I promise you that as we go along, things will start to sound more legit. It is incredibly rare for anyone to be born good at anything. We really just need to motivate ourselves to practice and to learn as much as possible. This is the approach that I will be taking with this project. I'm just going to keep on going until I can create something that I'm proud of. And at that point, I'll probably keep on going. So I hope that you'll be able to stick around and be a part of this growing process. And uh, bear with me as I kind of get a feel for this. From now on, I'm going to be starting off the show with news and announcements. And then getting into the philosophy and interviews later on. The only real announcements that I have today are regarding the two speaking appearances that I have the first two weeks in August. The first is the Elysium Festival, and that is the first week in August, and that'll take place in Parkton, Maryland. Uh, It's an all-weekend festival, DJs, um, bands, and a lot of other activities and workshops. Uh, Then the one week later uh, is Big Dub Candy Mountain Festival. Uh, that'll be in Artemis, PA, at the Four Quarters Farm, which is personally one of my favorite venues. Um, so to give you an idea of what to expect, I will read the write-up uh, that I put together for the Big Dub Candy Mountain Festival. Each festival will have slightly different content uh, because it's all audience-driven, but the overall format is going to be the same. So here is that brief description of uh, what's going to be happening. J.G. Vibes, author of Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance and founder of Good Vibes Promo, will be hosting a philosophy discussion at one of the fastest-growing events on the East Coast, the Big Dub Candy Mountain Festival. This will take place during the afternoon on Saturday, August 11th, under the main pavilion. Those who were there last year will know what to expect. This will be an audience-powered discussion, where you will have the freedom to join in and add to the conversation at any time. The full content of this discussion is dependent upon you and the other audience members, But we will start off the afternoon by talking about natural law, the non-aggression principle, non-violent communication, rational shamanism, and we'll discuss how all of that ties in with rave culture, since we will be at a rave after all. The counterculture is a safe haven for creativity, new ideas, and revolutionary philosophy. This is why our music and art is so far beyond what is seen in the mainstream. In many ways, the raves and festival events that are growing in popular popularity these days are simply the newest incarnation of ancient celebrations in which our shaman ancestors would party, sing, dance, and discuss philosophy for days on end before returning to their everyday lives. 
in an age as confusing and chaotic as the one that we are currently living in, it is extremely important to have these kinds of events to celebrate life, share our ideas, and develop a better understanding of the world around us. Badass Raves, Four Quarters Farms, and the other crews involved with this event are doing the community a great service by welcoming an organized philosophy conversation at their festival. Hopefully this is a trend that more promoters catch on to because this is an essential part of our culture that should become commonplace at these kind of events. So there it is. You can expect the same level of discourse at the Elysium Festival as well. Uh, that'll be really good also. Uh, and that's really, really cheap. Uh, they're just doing like a $10 donation to some food bank, and I think that's for the entire weekend. Uh, you can find the information for both of those festivals up at AOTMR.com. And that is it for the announcements uh, this week, so I'll get into the news. We have a few stories up at AOTMR.com this week, and I'm just going to go over some of the most interesting ones, and then you can have a more in-depth look online if you happen to be interested. On last week's show, I talked about this former UK government drug advisor who basically defected from the state and was speaking out in favor of psychedelic drugs. It seems now that he is putting his money where his mouth is, so to speak, and conducting independent experiments to prove the therapeutic value of these psychedelic drugs. Now, not only that, but he's also making a TV special out of it, um, according to this one story at The Independent. Uh, this past week, uh, it's the first time I've come across this guy, and I'm really looking forward to finding out more about him and his story. It sounds like this guy was really deep in the system, and he must have been exposed to enough truth that he decided to take a new path. And this just goes to show you that the individuals within government are not who are a threat to us. The threat to us is the system itself and the acts of violence that keep its wheels turning. Uh, it's not the individuals within it because they can turn around and do great things like this and they have the backing and the direct proof to back us up. Now, uh, I'm going to read from the article for a minute. The experiments by Professor David Nutt, the sacked government advisor on drugs, and Professor Val Curran are designed to see if the, the effects of ecstasy has on the brain. The six-month-long neuroscience study will use functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI, to examine the effects of MDMA on resting brain activity in healthy volunteers for the first time. In addition to providing fundamental information on how MDMA affects the resting brain, results from the study might also inform future studies into whether the drug might be of potential clinical use. A UK television first, the two 60-minute programs will include recorded footage of part of the scientific study alongside a live debate exploring issues around the controlled drug. Now, it's definitely going to be interesting to see if these debates that they're talking about are going to be fair. 
Um, but being that these particular scientists are in favor of legalization of drugs, it's possible that we might actually have a chance for a fair discussion on a major world television news network, which I personally think is a pretty huge victory um, for this fighting against the drug war. Um, but I'm definitely not trying to speak too soon because this is still probably cable television we're dealing with or any kind of television you can't really trust. Um, now later in the article they go on to talk a little bit more about this. They say, the programs will provide detailed analysis of the neurological and psychological effects of MDMA the potential risks and consequences of taking the drug both in long term and short term and explore new research into potential therapeutic benefits of MDMA. It's going to be called Drug Live, the Ecstasy Trial, will include a debate featuring people representing a wide range of views on the issues, including scientists, police, politicians, campaigners, as well as members of the public. David Glover, Channel 4 Senior Commissioner Editing, said, The use of controlled drugs, including ecstasy, is a hugely important issue, and Britain has been called the drug-taking capital of Europe. But too often, the facts, and particularly the science, can become lost in the heat of the argument. The programs will feature a scientific study that aims to demonstrate the effects of using ecstasy on the brain and behavior alongside a, a grown-up debate about the issues raised, featuring a wide range of views. This is a program that only Channel 4 would be brave enough to commission. It's pretty hilarious. Um, now, it, it might actually be legit if they bring in form drug users users from this public sample that they're talking about, but I mean, it seems like they're going to be far outweighed still by these politicians and police officers, but I mean, who knows, May maybe they'll have a lot of important people come in, I think it's too soon to tell right now. And it really all depends on who that public sample is going to be. Um, we all know that, like, when raves get busted or something, like, the, the news always grabs, you know, the person that is, is pretty much going to make us look the worst, and they plaster them on the, you know, nightly news. They never, they never grab somebody that, that really, really knows what they're talking about, and is, is, is going to drive them a point that they don't want on public television. I don't know anything about this Channel 4, because I don't live in the UK. Um, but you know, this is going to be really, really interesting to see. And, I mean, there are a few problems that I have with this overall article. Um, uh, but we should not be surprised because this is The Independent in the UK, which is a mainstream source. Now, um, listen to this part of the article. The context in which people will take MDMA in this study will be very different and much safer than the context in which people use it recreationally. With a controlled dose and a pure sample of the drug, absence from any other drugs or alcohol, and a doctor monitoring your health. This means the study won't tell us whether it's safe to take ecstasy in a club, but it will improve our understanding of how MDMA achieves its psychoactive effects. Alright, now let's stop right there.
I, I understand a doctor monitoring your health. That That's going to make you more safer, obviously. But um, let's look at the, the other part of this, the most important part of this in my view. It says, with a controlled dose and a pure sample. Um, now, and they're saying that the fact that you're doing that makes it safer than taking it in a club. Uh, in this lab that they're talking about. So, is it the fact that you're in a lab taking it? Does that make it safer? Or is it that you have access to the pure drug that isn't subject to the many drawbacks of the black market where things are, are cut and with either things that water it down or, or even toxic, dangerous chemicals? This article neglects to mention the fact that prohibition is the reason why these drugs on the street are many times unreliable and sometimes dangerous. And now that doesn't change the fact that the lab drugs are different from the street drugs, and it is true that these studies will not prove anything about street drugs that are cut with other substances. However, it really doesn't matter, because if these studies do in fact prove that there are many benefits to the drug, then that essentially proves that it should be legalized, thus making the problems with street drugs uh, completely non-existent because the samples that you're getting in the lab would be the same as the samples that you're getting on the street. And we can look back at the effects of alcohol prohibition to see very clearly how this process works, where um, the product of alcohol was extremely dangerous to consume, dangerous to buy, and this all ended as soon as Prohibition ended. So if you want to check out that article, go and have a look over at AOTMR.com. And as always, free feel, uh, feel free to let me know what you think. You can email me at jgvibes at AOTMR.com or facebook.com slash jgvibesworks as well. Um, there were also some pretty funny TSA stories up on the site this week as well. One dude actually stripped naked in a protest uh, during one of these airport Gestapo searches. Uh, you guys might have remembered that. That was a couple months ago. He was actually just acquitted of all charges in court. Surprisingly, things actually turned out in this guy's favor, which I, I think is pretty awesome. The other one is uh, pretty funny. Uh, it's a dude who apparently happens to be so well endowed that TSA mistook his uh, junk for weapons, and you could read all about that ordeal on the website as well. And uh, another one we have here is with George Bush is back in the news again saying all sorts of retarded shit. Luckily for us, um, I, I really, I gotta say, he has been one of my favorite presidents of all time just because he's, he's such a retard and he makes government look so bad. And, you know, be, between him and Obama, they're just, they're, they're creating so many voluntarists. It's, it's unbelievable. So, that they're total scumbags that, that that hate hate the planet, but they're they're really uh, doing a lot of uh, good things as far as turning people on to the cause of freedom. I'm sure, quite unintentionally, but 
that's how it rolls. Yeah, so um, George Bush basically says that uh, presidenting was badass because he was a baller and shit. Well, not exactly that. Um, he he basically said that um, it was awesome because he was famous and powerful, which I think um, really shows you right there the kind of mentality that these people have. There's this old song and dance about how it's you know for the people and the common good and how we care about you and this is our country and I'm the commander in chief and all this and it's it's really just being a famous and powerful it's what it's always been about since the time of Rome it's just these goons seeing us as a resource to be controlled and to harvested and and lied to so I, I just think it's very telling these comments and you know please people in the mainstream media do more interviews with George Bush man we, we need more interviews with George Bush for the freedom movement um, you know Obama's a douche too but I mean come on man I, I just I love hearing them say things like this because it just proves us right so you could check that out on the site as well and also there's this story with the shooting in the news which of course is a horrible tragedy I'm against violence of any kind uh, so of course I'm appalled by this but I'm also appalled by the media reaction to this because of course um, they're going on the gun control issue and they're they're blowing up this this um, small random act of violence when there are mass murderers who are being idolized by these same people so I think that this is a tragedy but we need to look at the greater tragedies um, that are being committed by people that are glorified in the media. Um, now, I have an article from a couple months ago that I'm going to read that I think is, is very relevant uh, to this situation. So, here it is. Why Pacifists Should Support Private Gun Ownership. Uh, this was at Activist Post. Monday, February 20th, 2012. There is a dangerous confusion among many pacifists that government gun control will bring us a more peaceful society. But sadly, this is far from true. I personally find myself in a rare but growing group of pacifists who oppose any kind of gun control policies whatsoever. It may seem counterintuitive to say that more people having more guns will make us safer, but history shows this is actually the case. When gun control legislation is put into place, every gun in that civilization does not disappear. They are not thrown into some magical vortex where they will never be seen again. Those guns aren't destroyed, and they certainly are not controlled. They are simply moved. They are taken from millions of individuals and placed in the hands of one small group. There are numerous problems with this situation. So let's just get the obvious ones out of the way first. 
History has shown us in many different cases that as the disparity in arms between a government and a society grows, the more authoritarian that regime becomes. Take your pick of any dictatorship throughout history, and you will find that disarming a population is one of the steps that are essential when establishing a tyrannical control system. From Nazi Germany to the communist empires of China and Russia, and even on the fiefdoms of the Middle Ages, authoritarian rulers made it a point to ensure that they had their citizens outarmed. The idea wasn't necessarily to keep the peasants from revolting, although that is a factor that eventually comes into play as a dictatorship takes its inevitable turn down the path of self-destruction. The main effect that this disparity in force causes is a psychological one. It establishes the general idea that an individual is powerless in comparison to the state and its agents, thus creating an atmosphere where people thoughtlessly submit to authority out of their natural and sometimes unconscious desire for self-preservation. This aspect of gun confiscation has been covered extensively by many researchers and activists over the years. But what is talked about even less often is the realistic benefits that can come from mass decentralized gun ownership. One point that is often overlooked in the mainstream discourse is how gun control laws actually empower violent criminals and encourage them to prey on innocent, disarmed people who are dependent upon the corrupt and incompetent police force for their protection. It has also been said that when guns are outlawed, only the outlaws have guns, and this statement rings true for the criminals in the street and the criminals in the government as well. Not only is a disarmed population preyed upon by tyrannical governments, but they are also preyed upon by violent criminals who get surprisingly inventive during times of gun prohibition. Gun control legislation is sold as a measure to protect the innocent from violent criminals, but like most government actions, the outcome is actually the complete opposite of the stated goal. These kinds of measures actually give violent criminals the upper hand by removing the average citizen's first line of defense. It seems obvious that violent criminals will be more inclined to attack others when they are less likely to encounter any kind of resistance. This being the case, we can determine quite easily that gun control policies encourage violence and chaos within society. Even if you believe that the police are put here to help and protect us, which they are not, you must at least admit that they rarely prevent crime from happening. Their job is only to hunt down and punish the accused party after the fact. Therefore, they cannot be dependent upon in a random encounter you have with an attacker. You need to have some means of self-defense. Even more importantly, the fact that anyone walking down the street could be armed makes any mugger think twice before attacking someone. On the other hand, when very few people in a society are armed, the reward far outweighs the risk for those who seek to violate the rights and the property of others. So I hope that clarifies my stance on 
gun control. If you are interested in checking out that article, see the articles page of AOTMR.com. And you can also find more police state, drug war, uh, government, any other economic news on the main page from this week. So today I'm going to share another interview. This one is with Kurt Williams of Room 101 Radio, um, and I highly suggest you check that out. Me and him had a really great conversation uh, a while back, and I wanted to make sure that this one did not get lost down the memory hole. Um, at one point in the discussion, you may notice that we got cut off. Uh, that was during our discussion about Ron Paul. We didn't catch the commercial break, and we just kept on talking, and it didn't get recorded. Uh, so I couldn't really find a good way of editing that out. But it, we didn't really lose too much of the conversation because we were kind of at the end of it anyway. Uh, so I hope that you can just overlook that. <laughs> so here it is. I hope you enjoy this interview. All right, and good morning. Friday, TGIF. Welcome, everyone. To Room 101 here at the Orion Talk Radio Network. Room101radio.net is the show set. Of course, OrionTalkRadio.com is where you could be joining us in the chat. And I say us because i got a guest with me. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Uh, if you uh, happen to check out Mr. Bob Tuscan's show the other night, uh, I believe it was uh, Wednesday night, I happened to uh, hop on. With him in the second hour, as he had another guest on, which is my guest this morning, author J.G. Vibes, author of What You May Ask. Well, he is the author of the book Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance. And I tell you what, this book does not leave many stones unturned. Welcome to Room 101, J.G. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, not a problem. I was looking through, you know, just, just listening. We are from uh, roughly, uh, you know, around the same area uh, geographically uh, out there in uh, the East Coast, Maryland, uh, to be more specific. And we got to talking. I was looking through your book and, and uh, well, at least the table of contents here. I am looking to uh, pick it up myself. And there's not a lot that you really uh, left out. Um, why don't you uh, give the listeners just a, uh, a brief overview of who is J.G. Vibes and uh, what what this book is all about, my friend. Um, all right. Thanks, man. Uh, well, uh, basically, um, four years ago, I started actually writing the book. Um, and I, I found that... Um, when I was having conversations with people that um, there was always like so many different parts to the situation that we're in that it was hard to explain um, to people what was going on on one level um, when they didn't have the information on another level. Like if, if you're trying right. to tell somebody about Monsanto or what's going on with that and, um, you know, they don't understand the process of uh, corporate personhood or um, how, how the government has created these kind of corporations and things like that, then um, they're not getting the full story, you know? Yeah, um, you know, so I, I found that same thing to be true when I, you know, first started uh, looking um, at a lot of this information. It was the Gulf of Tonkin incident that uh, really started me in, in my 
In my uh, research, my re-education, if you will, means that we are in room 101, uh, getting re-educated. It's a rabbit hole, and and you really can't. You can't explain one facet of it without explaining three or four other, you know, issues to, to, to fully explain it. So I see exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just wanted to paint as much of a complete picture as possible, um, so I felt that the easy way to do that um, would be to kind of do, um, you know, short, uh, you know, couple-page essays um, on a particular topic, and then uh, at the end of those essays, I'll uh, list all the books that I got the quotes in the chapter from, as well as the books that I got my information from so people could double check me and, uh, you know, kind of see, um, source it back. Right. Exactly. And, and what, what part of the book was interpretation and, and, uh, what was called hard facts. So I, um, I try to put the sources at the end of every chapter so people could have reading material to check out after the fact, because if they're thumbing through the book and something seems crazy or, or more interesting and they want to get deeper into it, then um, they can go check out, you know, the source documentation. Right, right. Well, that's that's really the best way to do it. Source it all so people can go back and make their own uh, decision and, and make their own mind up. Some of the things you cover in here, uh, just thumbing through social engineering, the uh, economics, that is a... Uh, a hot topic uh, here of lay politics, uh, war, uh, peace. Don't hear uh, much of that anymore, do you? Uh, shamanism, imagination, uh, new world order weapons, uh, the future, uh, you know, talking about solutions. Just the education system, just a little bit of, of everything. Just an all-in-one, a one-stop shop, if you will. Yeah, that's that's really what I was trying for. Um, I'm I'm surprised that it did end up as complete as it did. Um, but I guess it just chipped away on it uh, after a while. And um, I also, uh, at the beginning of every chapter, I include um, like a different quote that kind of relates to the chapter. And in many cases, um, they're not really historical quotes, but they're actually. Uh, in a way, pop culture quotes from uh, more like revolutionary artists like, um, you know, uh, Bob Marley, Bob Dylan, or mm-hmm. somebody like Immortal Technique that we talked about a little bit the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of, lot of, a lot of people are huge fans of different musicians out there. And these musicians are extremely revolutionary. They have really serious ideas. And a lot of people that are out there that are their fans have really no clue. They don't even really, really listen to the lyrics a lot of times. They just kind of think it's a song and they're done with it. But um, if you kind of put it in their face and be like, here, this is what they're talking about, it kind of makes people think about it in a different way. And it kind of shows them that a lot of the people that they look up to are taking these issues seriously, too. Well, yeah, I mean, we do see the uh, youth, uh, good or bad, emulating uh, pop culture and uh, em- emulating uh, those that they idolize in the music industry. And a lot of them, as you said, I mean, when I was younger, listening to a lot of the uh, old metal bands, they were, uh, you know, pretty pretty aware back in the 80s. And I didn't realize it until I became aware that these were even issues 
that these were even talking points. AOTMR.com. That is uh, your site. I will throw that in the chat over to RyanTalkRadio.com. Uh, you can also uh, link if you happen to be over Room101Radio.net. Got a, a little link on the side where people can uh, take you right to the page over there at AOTMR.com to, um, to take and, and read through the, uh, the, the table of contents, see, see what this book uh, is going to be covering, and uh, also it links right there to uh, purchase the book yourself. Um, now, you said that uh, you're going to be coming out with uh, an ebook version here soon as well. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, that's going to be kind of like a, a small companion. It's going to be a, a lot cheaper. Uh, it's 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 probably going to be one of the cheapest ebooks out there. But um, this is going to kind of take a different uh, approach. It's going to be a series of short stories that take place at different times in history, uh, and it's each short story is different people in those times uh, arguing about their civilization and what's going on with it. Oh, sounds sounds very interesting. So that's that's something uh, that's something to take in and look for. We got a uh, we got a break coming up here, but when we come back, JG, I'd like to maybe get into what is what is your uh, hot button topic uh, here of late, and maybe get into some more of uh, you know what exactly you know some of the uh, topics involved in your book. Um, because, you know, I tell you what, some of my hot topics here of late, as I mentioned on uh, Mr. Bob Tuscan's show, um, it's been police brutality. Uh, of course, we have uh, the, the uh, NATO uh, summit. We have the G8 going on down there at Camp David. A lot of things going on here of late. I want to get your thoughts on uh, what exactly uh, is is really pushing your buttons here of late. Bilderberg, that's also coming up, too. I want to talk about that. I think you uh, spoke with uh, Bob a little bit about that before I hopped on uh, the other yeah. night. So we, we, have, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to get right into that right after this break. Uh, thank you for joining us this Friday. TGIF from Room 101. This is Curve. We'll be back with my guest, J.G. Vibes. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Kurt. This is Room 101 with the Orion Talk Radio Network. I have author J.G. Vibes talking uh, about his book, first off, uh, Alchemy of the Modern Resistance, uh, which you can get over at AOTMR.com. AOTMR.com is uh, J.G.'s that's, site. Uh, that's a Renaissance. Renaissance. What did I say? Resistance. Resistance. Bob did the uh, same thing the other night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I look at that and I see resistance. Yes, alchemy of the modern renaissance. A um, lot of things going on, uh, JG. A lot of things. Uh, we have the NATO uh, in Chicago, the NATO summit going on there. Um, that's complete lockdown. Of course, as as you know, we got the G eight going on. Uh, what 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 seems in this whole ball of wax? What what is the one hot button? If there is exactly one, or what are the what are the few hot hot topics that really get under your skin here of late? Well, um, recently I've been uh, doing a series of uh, articles on the Bilderberg Group and their meeting in Virginia in two weeks. Um, as a NATO uh, 
conference is definitely important as well. Um, but uh, that's something that uh, people already know about. It's already somewhat controversial. It's already covered in the news. Um, but the Bilderberg Group is something that people really don't understand. A lot of people don't even know about it. And right. it's definitely not even covered on the news. Are you going to uh, try to, uh, given your location, are you going to try and uh, get out there? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to get out there since it's so close this year. And I'm encouraging everybody to do so as well, just to, uh, you know, become the media themselves and do the job that the media isn't doing. You know, even if you got a small camera phone, um, you know, you could go there and uh, be a part of uh, the alternative media and, uh, you know, cover this event and let people out there know that this is important and people care about it. And a lot of people showed up to uh, do what the media wasn't doing. Yeah, very, very true. And, uh, you know, of course, security is going to be extremely, uh, extremely high. Uh, it's even being talked about here in, uh, you know, my little circle. I may even uh, have to have an opportunity uh, with, with, with some friends to uh, travel down there. I remember they were out in Chantilly in uh, 2008, I believe it is. Every four years they come back to the U.S. to have their... Have their little, uh, <laughs> you know, always an election year, isn't isn't that on? You know, always That's set an interesting thing. I was looking back, and it looks like a lot of the election years, um, it was done in the U.S. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. Especially yeah, yeah, to say the past we... two election years have been right next to D.C. Wow. So I'm uh, going to try and get out there myself. I haven't been out to, uh, you know, any of these uh, little Bilderberg uh, meetings when they have uh, come back here to the U.S. So should be fun. Uh, should be interesting uh, to go out there and see what's going on. Uh, you know, Bilderberg, um, what, 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 what do you make of I did a little bit of um, uh, reading not too long ago uh, from uh, Dr. John Coleman. Uh, about the committee of 300 and uh, a lot of uh, I got a feeling that some foreign policy issues are going to be discussed according to Dr. John Coleman Bilderberg Group is uh, well kind of the foreign policy arm of uh, at least one of them of the uh, committee of 300 so uh, do you think as I do a lot of uh, a lot of uh, foreign policy uh, direction talk is going to be going on. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. A lot, of, a lot of foreign policy talk, and probably uh, a lot of on the economics end too. Uh, especially with everything that we have going on with the euro right now. I mean, I've been seeing in the past couple of days that uh, bank runs are bound to spread across Europe. Yeah, yeah, and they're uh, going to they're gonna stop feeding these banks any money to uh, keep people satisfied while they're trying to get their money. They're going to cut some of that out. So we're going to see uh, a lot of problems there, people not being able to get their money. Uh, and, and, and the whole reality of, of, of the banking scheme is, is now there. I've often made the analogy, you know, people, you know, you need to get your, you know, your money out of, out of the, uh, banks, but keep it in your own pocket, keep it in your own house. That brick wall is coming. You may not be able to get your money. And I think that brick wall is, uh, smacking them in the face there, Greece. And I, and I really fear that, uh, that is exactly what is, what is coming here. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's all it's all so centralized now. I mean, that they've they've pretty much combined all the currencies that they're working to, and they've got all the markets intermingled. And I mean, it, it, it's not a problem when you're trading amongst yourselves, but with all the the crazy speculation and derivatives that they're playing around with, it's it's crazy dangerous. And most and there's not even real money in these banks half of the time. So um, I saw reports that what is happening now in Greece is going to spread it, uh, first to Spain. They're saying it's already yeah. starting. So that's definitely going to be an issue to uh, keep an eye on as well. I agree. And, of course, we have uh, the the ongoing tensions in Iran. So many factors, as we were mentioning with your book, it's hard to talk about just one particular uh, a, a facet of what's going on. Like we were just talking about the, you know, the economy, and and of course that goes off in, into you know so many other uh, avenues. Um, it, it, strange, strange days that that, that we are facing. Um, police brutality, my friend. That that has been one of my hot uh, hot topics here of late as. Uh, just wrote a, a small little, I guess you could say, an opinion piece about the, uh, the, the, the Kelly Thomas. This is just, and, and this is how I see the police brutality as it ties into things like we're seeing with, um, well, Occupy, with uh, what we're going to see, I, I have a feeling, with uh, the, the um, uh, my goodness, my uh, Chicago, the NATO. See, it is very early. I haven't got enough coffee in me yet. Because uh, we're already seeing cops, Chicago Police Department, kicking in doors of, uh, you know, where, where activists are staying before anything even gets uh, kicked off. Did you read about that? Yeah, I did see that. That's out of control, man. I mean, they, they just conducted a raid on some apartment. I, I saw it in passing. It was an apartment or hotel or something like mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And and they weren't even doing anything. It's not like, uh, I mean, the, the same kind of thing happened with this, uh, well, the May Day uh, protests when they set those guys up in Chicago. I mean, except they had actually gotten pretty far along in the process. I think these people in in Chicago didn't even do anything. Yeah, it was a, it was a preemptive raid. Oh, we know where some activists are staying. Let's go. Uh, let's go kick in the door. According to the article, uh, Chicago police have reportedly engaged in a preactive raid against activists that planned to protest. Uh, some pre-crime going on here. Uh, well, you know, we, we are coming up on, a, uh, on another break uh, real quick. Time flies when you have these 10-minute uh, segments. But uh, well, I want to talk more about this when we get back, J.G. Uh, J.G. Vibes is my guest here in room 101, AOTMR.com. Is this site? Stay tuned because we got a lot more to discuss when we come back. JG Vibes is my guest here in room 101. The Orion Talk Radio Network, AOTMR.com, is the site. Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance is his book. We were talking about the uh, preemptive raids on activists already. Um, this happened yesterday. Uh, apparently, according to the National Lawyers Guild, 
Uh, police broke down a door to access a six-unit apartment building near 32nd and Morgan Streets without a search warrant. Uh, police entered an apartment with guns drawn and tackled one of the tenants to the floor in his kitchen. Two tenants were handcuffed for more than two hours in their living room while police searched their apartment and a neighboring unit, reportedly uh, calling one of the tenants a commie. Well, I don't know if I should say this one. Uh, let's see. Slang term in England for a cigarette. How about that? Uh, a search warrant produced four hours after, four hours after the police broke into the apartment. Uh, well, it was missing the judge's signature, according to a witness. <laughs> Among items seized by the police in the Bridgeport raid were beer-making supplies and at least one cell phone. So uh, that worked out well for him, don't you think, J.G.? That was sarcasm. They caught a bunch of moonshiners, I guess. <laughs> that didn't it's work out very Unbelievable. Preemptive. Haven't even done anything. Don't, even, don't have a search warrant. This is the That's epitome of, of a police state, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It's just, you know, you don't agree with us, so we're going to kick down your door and rough you up and give you trouble. Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. So uh, it's it's not starting out very, very well for uh, those in Chicago. You know, during the break, we were talking a little bit about speaking of protest. About the Occupy movement, and uh, I have to say, I, I came I came out and stated uh, in, in the beginning that Occupy was uh, well, it, it's engineered, and they're playing right into the the hands of such things like the NDAA. How ironic! Occupy goes global in a month, uh, within two three months of of their. Uh, 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 beginning, we have NDAA. I think I thought the same and still do about Anonymous. We have things like CISPA and ACTA and uh, uh, PIPA and, and all of these internet censorship uh, bills being thrown around. And it, it reminds me of the problem reaction solution. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I mean, even if, uh, well, we know that they do try to kick off things like this in many instances. And um, I think somebody from WolSec, which was a uh, offshoot of Anonymous, was exposed as like a double agent. I guess they were turning, they were getting identities of people within Anonymous and then turning them in. And it was one of the head people. Um, I mean, there's so many people involved with both Anonymous and Occupy Wall Street that are awesome people with awesome ideas. Uh, I agree. They're, they're doing great things. Um, but without a doubt, um, the, the establishment is trying to use um, those forces against us. And, I mean, it, it happens every time that there's some kind of resistance movement. They try their best to to infiltrate it or to silence it and 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 when they can't beat a movement they just join it and uh basically infect it with their kind of world view you know yeah yeah exactly uh that that's that's their mo that's why it seems like problem reaction solution to me uh you know they they, they create uh a a mass protest 
help fund it. George Soros uh, helped funding that. Uh, and, and then bring about legislation to curb the, the very uh, protests, the very movements that they take and uh, engineer. It, it, it's, yeah, it, it's, it, it's unbelievable that we fall for this all the time. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, people, I think it's very noble that people go out and, uh, you know, hit the streets, let them know, hey, we're pissed off here. But there was a, there was a, a quote, and uh, the author of the quote really slips my mind at the moment, but he states, and I paraphrase, you know, we don't care. Hold all the signs you want. Stand out there and hold all the signs you want. As long as you pay your taxes, we don't care. Yeah, I forget who did say that, but I, I, I remember exactly the uh, quote that you're talking about. I can't off the top of my head remember who said that, too, but Speaks it was let them protest all they want as long as they pay their taxes or something to that effect. Yep, it, it speaks volumes, if you ask me, uh, that they, they don't really care. It seems that uh, hitting the streets anymore seems to, seems to be futile. It seems to be uh, that it, that it isn't doing anything, but yet it feels like uh, that's that's one of the one of the main things that 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 we can do. I I don't know. Uh, you know, you go out to these mass protests; they're already set up. Meaning they, meaning police, the the police state, they're already set up. As a matter of fact, quick. Uh, Quick little story. I, I went to the uh, Pittsburgh uh, a few years back where they had the, the big ordeal in, in Pittsburgh, the GA. And I went down there about a day before. And uh, we were seeing National Guard trucks going in. Police presence was picking up. This wasn't in the heat of it all because I started thinking, wow, if you look at the geographical location on one side, you have a river. On the other side, you have a mountain. And there's a stadium right there. This seems, you know, I, I mean, it's it very easy to entrap somebody in that type of uh, surrounding. If you know the layout there in Pittsburgh, I was like, no, no, we're getting we're getting the hell out of here. Uh, because I'm not going to be rounded up. What? How much change am I going to be able to affect if I'm rounded up by these goons? Now, you know, hitting the streets, yes, is 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 one way to get your point out there. But also keep in mind, they are they're they're very much set up, JG, to to take and just scoop you right on up. And uh, well, with NDAA, you could just not be heard from again. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I mean, a lot of the problem that, that I kind of have with um, just the nature of how political protests have been going lately is that all of a lot of this, at least the the media, at least, and the, the, the people involved with the establishment try to funnel um, the people's energy into political goals. So like, People are out in the streets and they're pissed off, and then somehow the issue gets turned around to, oh, what's the government going to do about this? Oh, w w what law are we going to get passed to, to fix this? And it's, it's like people are, they keep on, they get their head in these political solutions, and politics is our problem. Uh, I mean, we, we need to find solutions to 
each and every small problem that we encounter instead of trying to put the power in the hands of these politicians who are already screwing us over, um, asking them to do more is just really not the best thing to do, in my opinion. I mean, you know, if, if, if all this stuff is going on with, you know, the elite and, and Wall Street and the military-industrial complex, you know, if, if, if they're robbing the bank and the government is the getaway driver, why why are we going to ask the getaway driver for help? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, because, and it sounds like you're coming from the same sort of perspective that, that I have kind of evolved over uh, the, the years. And that is, you, maybe we ought to look at ourselves. How can we possibly think, if we're if we're you know in the understanding that this is a a, a government brought about problem? How are we going? You're, you're not. I've always said you're not going to legislate freedom. You're not going to put freedom into a bill. And I think people wait for that. People are waiting for their their precious federal government, their precious puppet president. Uh, to to take and say, okay, now you're free to do this. Now you're free to do that. It is ludicrous. I couldn't agree more. Uh, let us look at ourselves. A lot of us are so messed up within our own head. Uh, we, we, we couldn't change a diaper right now, let alone uh, any kind of policy. Uh, stay tuned. We do have to take another break. They come up quick on us, JG. We'll be right back. Final segment of the first hour coming up. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. Final segment of the first hour. My, how time flies. Have author JG Vibes, author of the book Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance, AOTMR.com, is his site. You know, we were talking about people wanting freedom through legislation um, and, and more uh, specifically uh, want change from protesting, uh, think they're going to get changed from that. And it seems it, it seems rather, uh, well, we're spinning our wheels. Um, you wrote a, an article that I do have up over at room101radio.net, prepping for freedom. You know, and we, and we were discussing a little bit as far as wanting, looking towards government to solve the problems that government is very much a part of and, and help create. How do you, how do you take, isn't insanity, isn't one of the definitions of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results? That's how I see the voting system. That's how I see the political system anymore. People, I think, even those that are not uh, what you would call aware of, of what's really going on around them, aware of the Federal Reserve, aware of the different aspects and things that have been kind of hidden, if you will, pushed aside, kept out of the public view. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're not we're not going to to take and, and, and change, uh, you know, these the, these things by by enacting more laws. Uh, you're not going to get freedom from legis or yeah, freedom from legislation. Things are already on a downward spiral. Um, you, you hear a lot about the, you know, fight the new world order, fight the new world order, as if it's an actual physical entity. The new world order is nothing more than than an idea. 
and we hear a lot of revolutionary artists, as as uh, you know, you had mentioned, Immortal Technique, who say, you know, you can't kill an idea. You cannot kill an idea. Uh, does that mean that we're just we're just doomed to fail? Well, not exactly. As we were uh, talking, maybe we have to look inward. Maybe we have to, uh, you know, I I suggest people get involved in, in in their community have a have a small network of close family and friends of course trust in these people have to be at the top of the list uh, because when well when the uh, dookie hits the fan you, you know those who are still looking for government looking towards government for change well they're going to have a nice little uh, a nice little place some may say you know one of the little family fun centers uh, otherwise known as little fema camps and we call concentration camps uh that seems counterproductive jg what do you think yeah i mean i i, I definitely agree i mean i you know, in the past, I've definitely been in the mindset that that politics solves problems because that's how right. we were raised. That's what we were taught in public school. But just, I mean, witnessing firsthand the things, the, the, how nothing has changed in my life. Presidents have came and go. Nothing has changed. You look back in history, you know, way before I was born, a hundred years, even further, it's just, you know, different aristocrats taking turns, whipping us pretty much. Right. You know, and um, I would prefer to have no aristocrats whipping us. And, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of excitement right now with the, with the Ron Paul thing. And, you know, I like a lot of the things that Ron Paul says. I mm -hmm. agree with... 99% of his supporters on 99% of the things that they say. Um, but at the same time, I'm not really putting my energy into that because I don't, I don't believe in the process and I don't want to give the process any credence at all. You know, um, so what I, I think is important, like you said, is, is to look inward. Um, the, the, the collapse already happened in 2008. I mean, right. if it wasn't for all this quantitative easing, all this uh, fake money that the Fed is printing, and all these kind of things that they're doing to prop up their broken system, then um, we would have probably started rebuilding a long time ago, and we would have been all right by now. Um, I mean, people think that the collapse of this economy is going to be like ancient Rome. Um, but people forget, like, we didn't have the kind of technology now that we had then. Uh, a collapse in 2012 is nothing like a collapse in, you know, 300 A.D. It's, uh, and people are comparing these things. It's, it's like when people say, talk about, you know, the conditions of during the Industrial Revolution, um, the the conditions were that way because it was the 1800s. You know what I'm saying? Right, um, right. So a lot of time we got to have the time perspective too. I mean, people are fearing this collapse, and I think it's something that we should kind of embrace and look forward to, and take that as the passing of the guard. You know what I'm saying? And it's our turn to take up our own guard when this collapse happens, or else they're going to open this 
horrible door and they're going to say, hey, there's all these great things inside. This is the future. This is what the government is going to create for you. And then they're just going to walk us off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The collapse did uh, start. The, the, the collapse, we you know, did happen in 2008. This is not strictly... Uh, a Barry thing. This is not strictly a Bush thing. This goes back even further than Bush. Yes, some very uh, uh, big steps were taken uh, as far as the, the bailouts. QE3, I hear, is uh, on the table. That's a possibility later on this year. That, I fear, will, uh, along with other uh, you know issues, accompanying issues, is going to uh, really... Uh, start beating the nails in the coffin of the uh, of the middle class. Ron Paul, I I, I don't you know <laughs> I don't get a lot of friends uh, speaking uh, you know my opinion of Ron Paul, but I believe as you said, I I agree with with most of what he says. I, I believe that we shouldn't have a, a a central banking system. I believe that we should be coining, not printing coining our own money um and uh but the problem lies as you said it is the 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 system of of politics the the voting system that is inherently corrupt i believe it was roosevelt who says presidents are not elected they're selected have we not learned our lessons from history? Have we not learned our lessons from history from the 2000 election? Uh, and what's the deal with this Spanish company counting our votes? Is that Diebold? Uh, uh, no, it is not Diebold. Uh, it, I, I, don't, I, I don't have the exact name. I'm going to get that here in just a second. Uh, a Spanish company who is, who is uh, going to be counting our votes. Uh, wow, I didn't even, that's new news to me. I didn't even hear about that. I'm, I'm going to get the link. Uh, a company associated with George Soros, of course. Uh, gonna going to try and get the, uh, the, the, the name of that and the link here. It is, yeah. uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I, I was just going to say that, that, I mean, the, uh, the whole voting system, I mean, it's it's kind of like voting for who your mugger is going to be. Um, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't have a problem with Ron Paul. He's a, prob, a lot of the things he says are, are great. Um, but I have a problem with one group of people on this planet saying that they have the right to initiate the use of force on other people. Um, and that's what Ron, uh, even though Ron Paul advocates voluntary associations, just by virtue of being a politician, he is one of those people who is allowed to dictate um, how force is used in society. And that is the fundamental issue that I have a problem with. Um, I, I see this organization as government as being nothing more than a legal fiction that people create to abuse other people and to take advantage of other people. And even if we get a good um, aristocrat in there running things, it's no different than having a little bit better of a mob boss. The same um, immoral activity is still going to be taking place at the hands of the government. 
Exactly, exactly. This uh, company is known as uh, uh, SCYTL, and uh, although the votes will be uh, cast in uh, hometown America precincts on Election Day, the Barcelona base SCYTL is taking charge of the uh, process. Uh, It has been also claimed that the CEO of SCYTL is a uh, socialist who donated heavily to the 2008 Obama campaign. So a little bit of uh, picking sides uh, with connections to uh, George Soros. Yeah, see, that, that's totally new information to me, and that definitely reconfirms what I already thought, um, which was that, I mean, they're definitely rigging this stuff. I mean, even though me and you um, kind of have our own feelings about politics and the, and the Ron Paul thing, it's obvious that they don't want him elected. You know, it's oh, obvious yeah. that they've, they've pushed him out. And, you know, what he wants to do with the Fed, what's, what, what he wants to do with with legalizing certain drugs and uh, and the wars and all that. What a segue that was, my friend, because we were just talking about education and that really being the root. I, I, I can't help but, but think, but that that is the root. Now, you, now, of course, it's not the root of the financial problems that, that we see in the world. It's it's not the maybe the, the, the root of uh, the, the the endless wars, but I'm gonna tell you what it is the root of the society's compliance to the BS that they're cramming down our throat, like fiat currency, like endless wars, like the war on terror, the war on drugs, um, all of this, the education system. We were speaking about uh, Mr. John Taylor Gatto, a, a in my opinion, uh, one of the best researchers out there when it comes to the education system i have the utmost respect for them um and uh what do now now we we were sharing some thoughts about the education system and unfortunately it is obedience training is is how i see it blind obedience to authority uh just uh do what you're told don't question a quick little uh story to kind of summarize that my uh, oldest daughter is now 15. She was about, oh, I think this this was right before, this was during the election season 2008. And uh, they were talking about the elections. <clears throat> Excuse me. And a little girl right next to my daughter raises her hand and tells the teacher, well, my dad doesn't like George Bush because he took us to war. And uh, the teacher's like, well, uh, we went to war because the the terrorist uh, uh, bombed us, and uh, my daughter uh, raises her hand, and uh, I'm sure you can imagine what came out of her mouth with with a father like me. Uh, raises her hand and says, "Well, my dad said that 9/11 was an inside job." <laughs> the teacher shut her up. Right, 9/11 was not an inside job. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Next discussion. Wow. Yeah. 
So, uh, and, and, and who would have thunk that right after that, we started getting all kind of, uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be conspiratorial. I, I'm, I don't believe in coincidence. I can tell you that. Um, but I, right after that, my, my, uh, youngest son who has two very visible chicken pox scars on, on the, the, the side of his head has already had them, obviously that anybody with two brain cells to rub together would see that. Uh, but tried to get us to get him the vaccination, the chickenpox vaccination, and actually threatened us with court, threatened us with uh, jail, told us we had to go to parenting classes, none of which we did, uh, and we fought them tooth and nail until they finally said, okay, well, if uh, something breaks out in the school, uh, well, your son is not allowed to go. As if, if something broke out in the school, I would send him anyway. Yeah, it, it, it was ridiculous. So your thoughts on, on, on the education system, what you have, have seen, researched, uh, as I mentioned in the, in the beginning of the show, you do have a whole section uh, about the education system in your book, The Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance. Your thoughts on the education system? Uh, yeah, um, the whole time I was in school, I, I hated everything about it. It, it was horrible. I, I couldn't stand it. I always liked learning. I would even take, I would even take books in school and read. Uh, the, I mean, I would even take encyclopedias back when we had them and read them in school because I was interested in learning things and I just wasn't interested. I mean, the, the thing, you don't learn anything in school. That's what's so frustrating to me when I get into these arguments with people about the education system because they're like, oh, well, you, you got to educate the kids. And it's like the kids educate themselves for the most part. I mean, really complicated things like math, like, you know, maybe in reality you need a tutor or some kind of special teacher for. Mm -hmm. um, but I did for math, ironically. You mentioned that. I did have a little out-of-school uh, tutor because there were so many people in the class that the teacher could not give individual time to, to, to people, to, to the students. They couldn't help them out on an individual level, so I had to. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think that's why math specifically is such a problem for people because, I mean, the, the way that they teach it. And, and then when they teach things like history, it's, it's completely wrong. And then when they teach, um, you know, uh, English, it's all sorts of propaganda that they have you read. And, um, you know, we were talking about John Taylor Gatto, and one of the things that he had in his books was actually the uh, kind of unspoken curriculum of uh, public right. education, yep. which is the obedience training and the, you know, destroys your self-esteem. It makes you think that, you know, you constantly need external, um, you know, you need uh, this attention from other people to uh, validate your ideas and right. validate your actions. And, um, you know, I mean, I think that's why the past couple generations have just been a mess emotionally uh, because of the school system and its progression to where it is now. I mean, it's always been bad. I mean, you know, it, it was intended to be bad. People have this idea, like, the school system's gone downhill and this and that and... You know, a lot of people think that these parts of our society are just are broken, but they were made broken. 
and they're actually really not broken because they're working very well for the people that put them into place. They're Absolutely. Working. Yeah, they're, they're exactly. broken to us. Yeah, Sorry to cut you off. They're broken to us as we look, but, but they are going just as planned and working perfectly for the agenda they're set up to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I couldn't agree more with that. Here's, here's a quote that I, I love uh, from Albert Einstein about the education system. I, I think it sums it up very well. Education is what remains after one has forgotten everything he learned in school. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. That, that, is, that is a great quote. Um, and, and, and it has been said that you, 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 don't, you don't have to, you know, George Carlin, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're, you're probably, uh, you know, a fan of, of, of Mr. Carlin. I don't know. I am. Yeah. He, he stated he had a little skit where he's talking about, you know, teaching kids to read. You, you don't, as you mentioned, you don't have to teach a kid to read. A kid's going to read. So, you know, you, as, as you said, you went to school, you took your own books. Uh, to, to, to read. Why? Because you were bored. You're not, you don't have to teach kids to read. They'll read. What you have to teach kids is, is not what to think, how to think. And I think yeah, that, exactly. that is something that is sorely lacking in the uh, indoctrination camps known as government schools. Uh, and hence why people call them indoctrination camps. They're not, kids are not allowed to progress in their own direction. They're not allowed to think for themselves. There was a, uh, a little, uh, it was a picture, a screenshot of a letter that was sent home to a parent of a young boy who uh, stood up and said, you know, question his teacher. Actually, he corrected the teacher. The teacher was giving out wrong information. And he questioned the teacher. A letter was sent home to his parents, and I, I kid you not, at the bottom, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, at the bottom of this letter to the parent of this child who questioned the teacher, rightfully so, because the teacher was wrong uh, in the information he, he was putting out there, the letter stated at the bottom, it would be in, I don't remember the boy's name, Little Johnny's uh, best interest if he would just accept the lesson and not question. Can you, I mean, straight out. I just, remember seeing that, actually. Okay. Um, I think if you, I think I might have found that in uh, Google imaging uh the, the word indoctrination. I'm not. I'm not sure. Right. But I remember that came up in Google Images when I was searching stuff. But um, speaks volumes. Don't just accept what we tell you. Uh, don't question whether or not it's true or false. Just accept it. Yeah, and that's exactly how it is across the board. And it, it kind of shows you that if if this teacher doesn't care about passing along wrong information, then is the purpose here education? I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Hold that thought because we do have to take a break. We'll be back right after this, Room 101 with author J.G. Vibes. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Room 101. I'm your host, Kurt Williams. Got J.G. Vibes, author of Alchemy of the Modern... Uh, I almost said it again. Renaissance. Al Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance. A-O-T-M-R.com is uh, his site where you can uh, check out the little table of contents and what this book involves. We were talking about the education system right before 
the uh, break. And granted, we could talk probably for about the next three hours on the, uh, the, the, the fallacies, if you will, of the education system. But let's, let's start moving upward, okay? We, we, we have the education system, and let's say one goes through uh, this obedience training, if you will, um, gets out of school. The next thing that they're hit with, as a, 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 at a mass level, at a, at a really high impact level, I think, as well as during school, is uh, the mind control aspect of television and media. Uh, more or less, I see it as to reinforce what was planted into their heads through the 12 years of of schooling we have i did there, there was a, all right here, here's an example there was a young man uh six years old i believe uh was charged with uh were, were suspended for sexual harassment for uh uh he was, he was reciting lyrics to a, a, a song that he's seen on TV. Uh, I don't know the name of the song, don't know what song it was, but apparently it was taken out of context. And this six-year-old boy was uh, more or less uh, reprimanded, suspended for, for this, uh, for, for singing a song. Um, this social media not social media but this this social engineering is what i was is what i was looking for that that we see and actually the social engineering can uh really is the umbrella in which public schools uh mass media all fit under uh you do cover a a section in your book uh social engineering and uh that that is where we actually see uh, education and indoctrination uh, in your book. Social engineering, uh, some other aspects of it, JG, other than uh, education. Let's talk about that. Uh, well, kind of like you were saying, um, a lot of the media that uh, surrounds us is just there to reinforce uh, what was rammed down our throats in school, and uh, that's. Probably one thing that has has me uh, unpopular with a lot of people is that I I say you know it's not just a TV show it's not just a game it's it's not just a movie um, everything out there is propaganda even even my book my website and the the parties that I host is is propaganda on a certain level um, you know all art is intended to send some kind of message. Um, only in today's culture do we have artists who create art just for the sake of creating art as far as making money and stuff. You must have been reading my mind when it came to segues because I did see art uh, and, and society as, as kind of being uh, one, of the, one of the things that you focus a little bit on. So, uh, yeah, let, let's continue with that. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that uh, there's there's so many levels of communication going on in art. And, um, you know, in all good stories or good songs, um, you know, they're really deep. There's a lot of thought put into this stuff. And, um, 
you know, I just kind of laugh when people say, oh, you know, it's it's just a show. And it's like, well, no, it's it's really not because, you know, there's this multinational corporation that has an agenda and they put a lot of money into this stuff. And that agenda is promoted through this media. So how can you say that it's benign? Um, I think that they're overlooking the basic fact of... Uh, there's agendas being pushed in pretty much everything. And I think that the reason why they don't notice it, it's like the whole fish out of water thing. A fish swimming around in water doesn't even notice that water exists. Right. So, um, you know, they don't notice that the worldview that is being presented through all forms of media is completely twisted and demoralized because we were brought up in a twisted and demoralized culture. Um, and a lot of people think that, um, you know, there's this question, does life imitate art or does art imitate life? And, I mean, I think it's a little bit of back and forth. I do, too. But, but without a doubt, um, our, our minds are influenced by, by what we see. And I, I don't think it's cool at all. I, I wrote my book. I don't have the exact uh, statistic. Uh, but, like, I think it's like 20,000 murders per uh like a child sees before you know they're even able to speak or something crazy like that wow just from watching it on tv yeah you know and that cannot be good for our psychological makeup no I mean, not at all you know all these war games are popular and stuff and you know i got tons of friends who play them and shit and like i rag on them it's it's whatever um, you know, but, but still, the, the fact is, it's like this stuff's glorifying war. And, uh, do you know, are you okay with that agenda? I mean, are you going to spend six hours of your night um, involved with something that's, that's glorifying something that you're against, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, and, and desensitizing. I, I mean, that that is, you know, one of the big things that I see, the, the desensitization I think I said that right. Uh, of of you know the the younger generation who sit there and and see it as as nothing more than a game, the shoot 'em up games, uh, and and I can't help but think that they're looking at what's going on if they see footage in uh, you know of of, of war or, or combat. Oh, it's just like a game. It's just like a game. It's you know, and I hear well, it's just music. I, I get into a lot of. Uh, debates with uh, uh siblings of mine uh oh it's just music it's just a football game lighten up well i used yeah. to be one of the, the the biggest uh football fanatics every saturday sunday monday thursday and friday if there was a playoff game i was there i was a hardcore gamer and i didn't know anything I didn't know what was going on. I was walking around my head in the sand. I had no idea that, that, that things were falling apart all around me. And, and I, I equate it to, well, you had mentioned the, uh, the Roman Empire, uh, the, the bread and circuses. Give us just enough crumbs so where we don't starve. That way we can go and push the buttons and, and make the money for, for the, the, the big multi-corporations uh, like Walmart or, or whatever. Uh, you know, and have your little circuses, you know, your, your, your football games, stay blissfully ignorant. And, and, and with TV, along the lines of blissfully ignorant, you ever notice that 
a lot of the uh, sitcoms, even even the the cartoons, some would say grown up cartoons, you know, American Dad, uh, The Simpsons. Oh, hey, I think I think some of them are funny as hell. But but that's that's beside the point. They put the they 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 make you know male figures look like idiots. Oh yeah, the gender role situation is oh. out of control, especially yes. in the sitcoms. And and you, like you say, I mean, I like some of those um, cartoons too. That a lot of times they put some cool political stuff in there, and it's kind of funny. But at the same time, it's if deep. you look at them, they it's all deep. present the thought. same we family. Take, we got to take a break, JJ. Hold that thought. All right, welcome back. My how time flies, uh, JJ. We were talking about uh, the media, uh, mainstream, uh, TV, its effect. And we were speaking uh, more specifically about, well, you could say like the grown-up uh, <laughs> cartoons. And uh, you had mentioned that, uh, you know, the, 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 these families and all these different series are just, uh, well, they're, they're the same family, just kind of re, uh, redrawn up, huh? Yeah, and the same goes for the sitcoms, too. I mean, it's the same archetype. Uh, it's the same family archetype in all of these shows, uh, which I think is pretty interesting. And it's definitely, I guess, pretty instructive, uh, too, and people don't even realize it. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. So, uh, you know, as, as it's, uh, you know, as a lot of people say, you know, uh, you know, turn, turn that TV off for, uh, for once, uh, you know, pick up a book, not a nook, a book. <laughs> yeah. I think that kills me. You know, uh, people spend like a hundred and some dollars for a nook when they could pay $20 for the actual book. It doesn't make much sense to me. Anyway, we, you know, I want to, I want to talk about solutions and you do have uh, a section over there in the navigation bar over at aotmr.com uh four solutions at the very top of the list and what we can just go down this list uh you know uh, a few of these and 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 talk about solutions on how we can combat what's going on and a lot of these solutions as we mentioned before are for for you know us to take individuals uh individual solutions not destroying the fed top of the list critical thinking go ahead jg that, that and it, that's where it should be at the top of the list uh yeah um because that's kind of how we can figure out if the rest of the list is valid and uh that's kind of how we could figure out the, or just piece together the world that's going on around us um and we were talking about education earlier, and uh, that the critical thinking has definitely been removed from our education system, without a doubt. Um, the research of uh, John Taylor Gatto, as we were talking about earlier, is pretty much instrumental in understanding that, and I definitely recommend everybody to check out his books. I as well. You know, also, uh, you know, the people at uh, Trivium Education and uh, Gnostic Media and Tragedy and Hope uh, and uh, School Sucks podcast as well. They've been doing mm -hmm. um, a lot of stuff with this. Uh, you check them out on Facebook. I, I've, I've liked them over on Facebook, the School Sucks Facebook page. Yeah, like uh, those, those uh, podcasts are really doing some great work in regards to critical thinking. They're covering it a lot. They're going really in-depth. 
Um, so I've learned a lot from from that stuff. And, and, criti- and critical thinking, as you mentioned, is one of the uh, one, one of their the, the the targets they have in the the school system has in their crosshairs. We we must destroy that ability to critically think and question authority. Uh, that that is not uh, something that uh, is is uh, encouraged uh, to say the least. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, uh, on that page that you mentioned on the website here, I have a quote from uh, President Woodrow Wilson, um, who was also, this, it was the same administration that oversaw the establishment of the Fed. Um, I, I, I would, I, I, I do blame Woodrow Wilson to some extent, uh, but uh, like many, he was just a puppet. Um, and the, the one guy who was really in the... Um, in the White House behind the scenes during that time was, uh, uh, he's known as uh, Colonel Edward Mandel House. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was kind of like the Henry Kissinger uh, for, for those days. Um, but anyway, uh, he, he had a huge influence on Wilson. And uh, this is what Wilson said. He says, we want one class of persons to have a liberal education, which basically means critical thinking. It's what they call the liberal arts these days, if you get a degree in the liberal arts. Um, and he continues, uh, and we want another class of persons, a very much larger class of necessity in every society, to forgo the privileges of a liberal education and fit themselves to perform specific manual tasks. I mean, this is a president that said this, that said, basically, we want to remove critical thinking from the schools so we can have the larger class of society doing, you know, specific manual tasks. The worker bees. Exactly. And I I think that without critical thinking, um, that's why we buy a lot of this propaganda and we, we fail to look at it objectively. We don't know how to look at anything objectively. We just kind of we're told that truth comes from authority, not truth comes from a process that you use in your head. You know, right, right. Yeah, and you know, and and I believe it was uh, Mr. John Taylor Gatto. A lot of references to him, as you can tell. Uh, when we talk about education system, he is uh, one of the foremost. Uh, authorities on as far as research goes on the education system, but the the critical thinking is put aside for the the Ivy League schools. Although they'll teach that at, at the Ivy League, uh, you know the the rich schools, and then then they exclude that from the general population uh, schooling, and uh, you know therefore producing. As you said, those who don't question authority, those who believe that uh, knowledge and truth comes from authority, and that's that's really the uh, the, the last place uh, you want to look for any kind of uh, truth. Truth you're going to find in yourself with your own work, your your own reading, your own mind. Uh, moving down on this list, the, the non-aggressive, non-aggressive principle. Uh, just non nonviolent noncompliance. Uh, the power of no is uh, seemingly for God, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in this in this culture, um, you know, force and and justified force and and people who are allowed to violate the non-aggression pe- uh, principle, um, 
it's around us everywhere in our culture and every single figure of authority that's ever claimed ownership over somebody or you know claimed ownership over entire groups of people um you know they they have always reserved the right to use force on other people and the non-aggression principle says hey you know aren't we all created equal and you know if we're all created equal then you don't have nobody has the right to use force on another person except in the case of self-defense and um, as we were talking about earlier with politics um, it it really kind of uh, makes any political action a violent action when it comes down to it Uh, yeah by force right because everything that's done in politics, even the good things, um, the violence is used as the means to, um, you know, acquire whatever ends are trying to be um, achieved. So, um, you know, I feel that when you have a small section of uh, society who is allowed to break uh, what's known as the golden rule, which is the non-aggression principle, um, if there's certain sections of society who are able to break that, then the rest of society has very little respect for it. Uh, because then it's like, oh, well, you're kind of like, uh, um, you know, you're kind of a fool who are playing by rules that other people don't have to play by. And that's how people feel, if even subconsciously. Um, so there isn't a whole lot of respect for morality or ethics in our culture uh, because of this. Uh, because some people are allowed to be immoral. And when you have, um, you know, some people that are allowed to break that, uh, there is no standard. It's just this wishy-washy kind of, uh, you know, society. Well, eh, maybe it's okay if if I, you know, hurt this person or if I take this action that's going to cause somebody's life to be drastically changed. And it allows people to kind of, uh, you know, put that in the back of their minds. Uh, Through the greater good. Earlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we, we do have to, uh, we are coming up on a break. Final segment here, going to uh, go through a few of these uh, that, that you have on here after the break. Uh, peaceful parenting, I want to talk about. Organic gardening, I want to talk about a little bit. Of course, we talked about homeschooling, unschooling, if you will. I think that's self-explanatory. I talk about that enough to where I think we can we can skip over that for a minute. Uh, uh, shamanism, uh, another one. Voluntary taxation, uh, another one on the uh, solutions list. We'll get into some of these in this final segment. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. Final segment here on this Friday morning, the 18th of May. I was uh, I was just invited to uh, we'll be uh, making a little appearance on uh, Madison Rupert show and the lie this uh, is coming Sunday night 11 p.m. Eastern time and the lie.com uh, thank you Madison for the invite I'm sure it will be a great show as always uh, gonna blast through a couple of these uh, last uh, solution points now these now all these that I'm reading the critical thinking uh, these are all these are all linked. Now, uh, for instance, the uh, you know I click on the critical thinking link over at AO 
tmr.com, and you have a uh, you know a little write up, some uh, uh, Jan Irving. Uh, this is just for the the, the trivium um, uh, link here. So uh, you got some information backing up, uh, you know, that people can look into to start their looking yawn. Yeah, not Jan. Yawn. There we go. Uh, you can you can look into you know some of this and, and get familiar with some of these solution points. But um, moving on here, uh, peaceful parenting. Uh, explain that. Um, well, that's definitely I believe one of the most fundamental situations here, um, and uh, a lot a lot of this I've kind of known inherently. Um, but the research of, uh, you know, uh, people like uh, Alfie Cohn, um, Stefan Molyneux, uh, and even Marshall Rosenberg, the nonviolent communication guy, uh, to some extent as well, um, has kind of shed even more light on this and helped me explicitly explain uh, the situation. And um, uh, I really do believe that a lot of this madness that is going on uh, with the state and, uh, you know, ev- everything like that. It, it is a result of uh, childhood trauma, really, basically. And uh, children throughout the course of history um, have been treated like worse than second, third, fourth class citizens, like slaves almost, um, like total prisoners with that did not own themselves. Uh, most um, parents throughout the course of history have treated their child as if it, they were their property. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to condemn every parent that has ever walked the face of the earth. Um, you know, throughout the course of history, arranged marriages used to be a normal thing. I don't agree with that. I'm not condemning everybody who was betrothed. Um, but, you know, um, when we teach children at a very young age about authority and about obedience, um, you know, that, that it controls who they are later in life. Um, and especially when there is, um, you know, any, any kind of abuse, even, even verbal abuse that cuts down people's self-esteem or you know, trying to micromanage people's lives, as a lot of parents are kind of led to do. Um, You know, and most parents just want the best for their kids, and they they try like hell to give it to them. Um, But at the same time, um, they don't realize the psychological implications um, that the day-to-day existence that their child is living is going to have later in life on them. Um, and, uh, yeah, just uh, I have, like, the graphic on there. It's, uh, it says statism starts at home, and I think that's really uh, profound because, you know, a lot of people say uh, uh, you've heard the parent reference, uh, mommy and daddy government, and you have the... Um, the Democrats are kind of like your mother. The Republicans are kind of like your father. <laughs> and, you know, the one is the, right. you know, it's, that's kind of the archetype that they fill. And um, 
I think if you if you compare government to the family situation, I think uh, you know you really learn a lot. And a lot of people think that government is just the extension of the family. Once you grow up, um, after your authority, you leave the authority figures of your parents and teachers. You then just move on to the authority figures of government. And in a lot of ways, uh, you know, the the childhood prepares you for the government. And then in a lot of ways, the the childhood um, existence is the very reason for the government to begin with. Yeah, you know, uh, and and I think the little picture that you have on the uh, the peaceful parenting link over it. A O T M R dot com, uh, where it says status, uh, statism starts at home. And the little graphic shows a, uh, you know, uh, little, little figures. One is a parent spanking a child. Then next, it's a child smacking another child or getting smacked, if that's the same child, uh, getting spanked. And then, a, you know, a, 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 a figure of an officer beating that person. So I think that that, you know, really sums it up. And George Carlin, again, referring to him, it, 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 he really summed it up quite well uh, when he said that, that parents don't teach their children to question authority because guess what? That undermines their own BS control. Oh, yeah, that was one of the most fantastic things he ever said. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and that's true. We, You know, I mean, I, I for one, teach my children to question everything. And I have a, you know, as a result, have uh, a, a, a one daughter who will, you know, argue, debate with you tooth and nail till the end. And And as much as that aggravates me as a parent... Uh, because I want you to just take what I say and 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 be done with it. Because I said so. That is the most uh, uh, you know underestimated phrase that parents use that don't uh, you know that that they use that takes and and does affect a child. Because I said so. There is your obedience to authority in one little statement that parents use all the time. But my you know my kids will they they will debate with me. And, uh, you know, some parents will call that disobeying. Um, I call it questioning authority because, uh, you know, they, they look, you know, kids will look at their parents as authority figures, uh, you know, but, but parents don't teach their children to be individuals, to be self-sustaining, to have critical thinking abilities, to think for themselves in the question authority. And as Carlin stated, it undermines the parents' own BS. Um, organic gardening uh, is on this list as well. Uh, that is something that I think everybody should do, not just for the sake of eating healthy, but psychologically, uh, it is a, a great stress reliever. Um, I, I just glanced over an article the other day that states that uh, depression and stress can be relieved by doing some simple gardening. Um, so I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, the homeschooling, as we as we talked about, uh, uh, shamanism. Real quick, what is uh, you know how how is shamanism a a solution to the problems that we have? Well, um, basically, um, it, it can be a, a part of um, kind of deprogramming uh, a lot of the schooling that we've been through. Mm -hmm. um, you know psychedelics and meditation and uh, things like this uh, can can help us 
center our minds. Of course, if they're used responsibly. Um, Cleansing the palate. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, it helps us kind of look outside the box and, and think about things differently. Um, and it can definitely work to, to undo a lot of the damage that's done by public schools and and media and all the other social engineering uh, methods that are in place. Right, and and you know, I don't I don't advocate anybody go out there and and you know do any substance at all. But uh, you know, hey, that's the thing about freedom. Um, you know, you you do have that freedom to uh, smoke a crack pipe or uh, take and, and enjoy some uh, psilocybin mushrooms. Uh, but I've always said that I believe that it, 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 at least twice a year, if not three times a year, uh, which isn't a lot, which I don't think constitutes a, a drug addict or, or anything, any of the negative connotations that go along with uh, expanding consciousness. But I think that it's needed. I think that it, it does. It grounds you. It enables you to open up uh, you, you, your, your mind to see things in a different perspective and not see things, you know, actually take that red, white and blue blindfold off. Pull the blinders off and start seeing life for what it, it, it truly is. We only got a few uh, seconds left here, uh, JG. Again, I want to thank you so much for coming on and uh, chatting with me uh, this morning. AOTMR.com is the site. Uh, Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance is the book. And that concludes today's podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the interviews I've been playing recently, and I apologize to those of you who may have caught these live when they happen and are now listening to a rerun. But as I said before, I wanted to make sure that we had these archived for the podcast. If you want to explore these issues deeper, you can pick up your own copy of Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance up at AOTMR.com as well as Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. And you could also find links to a lot of other great content and media producers um, that you can check out on a daily basis on the site as well. And if you have some kind of project or website that relates to the philosophy that I'm putting forward, please let me know, and I will list your site also. Until next time, this is JG Vibes. Peace, love, unity, respect, and volunteerism.